1: Deborah Ann Wall interview. Welcome back, everybody. It's Mike and Dave with you with another interview edition of the Sci-Fi Fidelity podcast. And we're talking about someone who should be familiar to genre television viewers um, everywhere, but... She's here to talk to us about a movie project, so it's kind of an interesting juxtaposition. We snuck in a few TV questions in there, but we're talking to Deborah Ann Wall, who I first saw, Dave, I don't know about you, on True Blood. That was one of the shows that first got us talking about podcasting together. We didn't end up podcasting that particular show, but it's where we first started our discussions, I believe.
2: Yeah, same with me, and I got to tell you, once I started researching her body of work, I just really had no idea because believe it or not, the Marvel shows that she's in Daredevil. And then, of course, her character goes over to the, you know, the other spin-offs. I've only seen the Daredevil pilot. So I did see her in that. But that's pretty much it. Well,
1: Her character in Daredevil, Karen Page, was pretty much the only reason I was watching Daredevil for a while. Because uh, you and I are not big fans of protracted fight scenes and some of those early Episodes of daredevil do have quite long fight scenes, but yeah, she had a great character in daredevil. We did sneak in one question about that, but she's actually here to talk to us about escape room, which is a movie that's coming out on DVD. And so she needed to, to publicize that her character in that one is Amanda Harper. And so some of you may have caught that in the theaters, or if not, you can catch it on digital release on April 23rd, as we'll mention here in the interview But we also wanted to talk to her about her role as Dungeon Master in the Geek and Sundry series on YouTube called Relics and Rarities. And like Dave said, this was really what we wanted to talk to her about. And so we definitely talked to her about her enthusiasm for that oh so geeky of gaming pursuits in addition to her TV and film work. So let's take a listen to our interview that we had with her just a couple of days ago. Well, we're here with Deborah Ann Wall, who some people may know from Daredevil. Some people may know from way back during True Blood. We're here to talk to her about Escape Room, which has its DVD release coming up on April 23rd. Welcome to the podcast,
0: Deborah.
2: Thank you so much for having me. Well, for those who aren't familiar with Escape Room, can you tell us a little bit about not only your character, but the premise of the film?
0: Yeah. um, Yeah, the basic premise of the movie is that um, we are six strangers that are brought together to uh, go through an escape room under the premise that uh, only one of us will be able to solve all the puzzles and will therefore win and take home prize money. But we all have other kind of reasons for why we wanted to come and try this this out. Uh, however, we very quickly find out that each of us has actually been lured here for a specific reason, and that we are part of sort of a gladiator system where they are trying to see who can survive, who can actually survive what turns out to be truly deadly escape rooms. So the traps are real. And they've also geared these rooms to specifically trigger us based on certain traumas that we've had in our lives. And um, then they uh, sort of see what happens. Uh, So we have to kind of band together and learn how to work together and work with each other's strengths in order to find our way out.
1: Now, obviously, traditional horror that relies on blood and gore and jump scares, mm. that's all alive and well, but there's something different about the psychological horror that scares the hell out of us, maybe even more. An escape room yeah. plays on some of those big fears like fire, drowning, being trapped. And Amanda's flashback takes her back to her time serving in Iraq. Was that yeah. scene difficult for you, given that the war in the Middle East is so fresh, or did that make it easier for you to tap into the trauma?
0: I mean, I mean, easy, hard, or that those are tough words to sort of relate to something like that. It made it meaningful. I'll say that. Mm-hmm. And, um, I wanted to be sure that I was respectful and, and did those experiences justice, you know, even, even in a small thriller, you know, um, you know, you, the, the kind of responsibility you have as an actor is to take it seriously, no matter what you're doing. And, Um, You know, I I did a lot of research and and when we ended up in those scenes, I wanted it to be very clear that even though Amanda had been through these experiences and that they still live within her and they still stall her from time to time, that that doesn't mean that she isn't an extremely tough, extremely powerful survivor. And that both of those, the vulnerability of that experience, as well as the strength that she carries with her can, can live, can coexist within her.
2: Okay. Now, the film was produced on a $9 million budget, so you guys have to be thrilled with how well Escape Room is done at the box office, both domestically and abroad, I would think.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I guess so. I mean, you know, we're not, you know, we're not like part of the back end or anything like that. So <laughs> really the people who are super thrilled are the producers. Um, but, you know, it, it's exciting to feel like we were part of something that people really liked. And I, you know, I feel good that the, that Sony and my bosses and everyone are pleased with it and that it had a good return for them. And hopefully that will mean that they, they trust me and would want to use me again.
2: Right now there is a sequel, correct?
0: Yes, they are working on a sequel.
2: Okay. Um, are you part of that?
0: Well, yeah. I mean, it, it, not to spoil anything, but it's, it would be, it would be hard for Amanda <laughs> to show up in a sequel.
2: Right. Well, I, I I, I guess what I was getting at, is there anything you can tell us about the story? And, and has filming already begun for it?
0: I, I know nothing about the story of the of the second movie. I, I know that they're in the planning stages. I have no idea where they are in their timeline.
1: That's exciting, though. I, I yeah. love escape rooms, personally. I've been oh, yeah. to quite a few. It's like they're they're kind of expensive, so you can't do it all the time, but the ones I've been to are insanely difficult. I'm wondering if you've, Mm -hmm. if you yourself have ever done an escape room since you seem to enjoy cooperative gaming, as we'll talk about in a minute (laughs) with relics and rarities. What do you like about escape rooms or has the movie kind of ruined them for you?
0: (laughs) No, no. Um, honestly, I've never done an escape room. I love puzzles. I love cooperative problem solving and all of that stuff. But I think something about the social aspect of, of escape rooms and, Having a kind of, I, I don't know. All the stories I hear, it's like you go, you go with a couple of friends, but you're also with a bunch of other people you don't know, and I don't know. That part always sort of scared me off. So maybe if I could do it with just friends. So yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't really know much about physical escape rooms. But yes, yeah, so if we're about to talk about with Dungeons and Dragons, <laughs> I do basically escape rooms in my mind, <laughs> right. in my imagination.
2: Well, before we get to relics and rarities, uh, as Michael mentioned at the top uh, of the show, the DVD release for Escape Room is coming up, and yeah, we we assume there are some tasty bonus features on it. Do you have a favorite? Are you aware of what's going to be on it? And is there anything you're maybe hoping will be on there?
0: Yeah, I mean, I I did I did look it up. I did see what the bonus features were, but I'm not entirely remembering exactly like the titles of what they were, but they definitely have some behind-the-scenes stuff, and we did some interviews. What I'm really hoping will be on there, there was a moment for me on set. So in, in kind of one of the later scenes, my character is a big hero moment where I'm climbing around this incredible set that they built, and it required an incredible amount of stunt work and wire work and some green screen and things like that. And I remember I'm in my harness, and the crew is working to set up this, you know, cause they it needed to look like there was no floor. So the set was 30 feet high. And when you're climbing around 30 feet in the air, it's scary. But the, I, the illusion in the film is that there's a long, deep shaft that goes even further below us. And I remember looking around at the green screen and the wire work and all these incredible professional people all together. And I was like, Oh my God. I'm part of one of those moments. Like when you watch the special features from Mission Impossible (laughs) and you see all the gack and everything and you're like, wow, that's a real movie. And I was like, I'm living that moment. (laughs) So I really hope they got some behind the scenes footage of all of that and the kind of intricacy that goes into a scene like that. Because if everyone does their job well, you don't see it in the movie. And to be able to get some footage of the incredible camera work with that crane and the stunt crew and how they made everything super safe so that I could do all of it, and they could get the shots they wanted and and everyone down on the ground that was making sure the green was just exactly laid out right. I mean, there's so much work that goes into making that scene, and in the end, all it is is you're thrilled, hopefully, you know. <laughs>
4: For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com.
1: Yeah, that's right. And I really actually um, think that it's interesting that you are doing this movie, which is uh, sort of a horror thriller, and that's in the genre uh-huh. field. And, and we talk a lot a bit about genre television, and you've been part of True Blood mm. and, and Daredevil, which fall into that category. But you're now doing something that really caught my eye because it's very unique, Uh, And that is Relics and Rarities. And I have to ask, because of your personal enthusiasm, who were some of the guests from this D&D show that you got on the show specifically because you hooked them onto tabletop gaming, not just that they were doing it (laughs) as a favor, but they actually were way into it?
0: Well, I mean, I'll I'll say this. So our, our main cast are four incredible actors. We have Xander Jean Array and Jasmine Bueller, and they were brought in from Deacon and Sundry and are longtime gamers. But Tommy Walker and Julia Dennis are friends of mine. Tommy was on Daredevil in the first season, so I met him through that. And I just wanted to play D&D all the time, and I'm a D&D pusher. Everyone I meet, I tell about <laughs> D&D, and I try to get them to play with me at least once. So I got Tommy and Julia to play with me, and we started an ongoing campaign with them and a bunch of friends. And um, now they are bona fide Dungeons and Dragons celebrities. And I just love it. I think it's so exciting. But that's like, that's the biggest hook <laughs> that I could possibly have gotten. Um, but then we had Janina Gavankar on, who I know from True Blood. And she also was part of that gaming group with Tommy and Julia. And she's super hooked. And then Sam Richardson, who had never played Dungeons and Dragons before. I know him a bit uh, through the kind of comedy world, and I invited him to come and play, and he was very enthusiastic, and he dove right in. I love that episode of his. He's so engaged and creative and committed. And I was recently emailing with him, and he was like, you know, I'm really ready for a full campaign. And I was like, oh, you are on my list. The next (laughs) time I start up a, a homebrew campaign, you are in it. So I'm very excited to hear that I have a
2: full convert in uh, Sam Richardson. Well, you know, that's something Dungeons and Dragons that is that that's really outside of my level of experience and and from knowing Michael for as long as I have, he's more into gaming. So so I've gained an understanding, but right from the start it, it's impossible to ignore your enthusiasm that <laughs> look, we know you're an actor. But there's just something about you right from the start that it's like you can hardly contain it. It's like, <laughs> yeah. oh, my God, I can't believe <laughs> not only am I playing Dungeons and Dragons, we're filming it. It's, I, know. Uh, I mean, where did that idea come from to actually do it in that context?
0: Well, I mean, Geek and Thunder reached out to me. I had run... My very first time running a game publicly was at the Stream of Many Eyes, which was an event that the Wizards of the Coast put on, who published Dungeons and Dragons. And I did a 90-minute adventure, very quick one-shot, with some really cool players, including Tommy and Julia. And that was all I'd done. I was very nervous. I'm I'm newer to D&D in kind of the grand scope of most players, and I've been very nervous about kind of, exposing the soft underbelly of this game <laughs> to the world. But it went very, very well and Geek and Sundry off of that reached out and said, We're looking to make uh, a show and would you like to come in and kind of work on this? And they were so great. I I've never gotten to work on something from the that initial creative planning stage where I get to sort of consult on every step of the way. Um, and they were great. They are I, I I learned that enthusiasm and specificity goes a long way. (laughs) (laughs) So anytime I would get super excited about something and I'd send a reference photo or talk about what I was looking for and they'd be like, gotcha. And they'd go away for a couple of days. And when they'd come back, what they had created out of the conversation we had had was so perfectly in line with this. Like we were just all in the same same wavelength. So I, I just learned that like enthusiasm really pays off and 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 I don't need to hide it I don't need to hide how excited and how much I love this game
2: I mean one of the things I was wondering about is how much of the storyline do you prepare versus how much develops organically and improvisationally along the way
0: Uh uh-huh I mean sometimes it depends on the game you know some will be much especially if your characters wander off in a direction you didn't expect all right great then it's all improv Yeah, like I'll give you one in Kevin Smith's episode. He decided that uh, we knew that his background was as a private detective, but he decided that he was going to be part of a group called the Tiefling Traders. And he just made that up. And I said, great. And they went to his office. So sure, he has an office. Why not? So what I love is like I had built Bellbrook, the town of Bellbrook, and I knew some landmarks and some features of that world. But it's an open town; they can go wherever they want. And now, thanks to Kevin Smith, chief Wing Traders will be a canon location in <laughs> <Yeah>. Belbrook. <laughs> That's
1: awesome. And and I know Charlie Cox was on the show as well. And I have to ask yeah, you: I don't think yeah. I don't think our uh, listeners would let me get away without asking you at least one daredevil question. Sure. Your character went from traumatized victim, similar in some ways to Amanda Harper in *Escape Room*, actually, to mm. brave reporter and investigator. And she even avoided. Uh, the drug addiction of the character in the comics. Mm. So I'm I'm wondering, were you pleased with Karen's arc in Daredevil overall? And do you see comic shows as a good way to showcase female characters, such as Karen?
0: Yeah, I mean, I think you know we're we're living in a different time period than when Karen was developed and evolved, and I really appreciate that about the sort of comic book world. Is it because it's these ongoing stories? We we can just say, all right, now we're doing another one. And this Karen's going to be right for this time period. And and that we don't feel hamstrung to what happened before. So I, you know, we, we talked a lot about who Karen is in this story and particularly this last season with Eric Olson, he, he was very welcoming to any thoughts that I had. And especially as we started to go into the backstory of basically what was going to be our kind of born again idea of, of who this person was. I'm really very proud of that episode and I'm, I'm proud of that last season. And I like that Karen had agency that her story wasn't just a love story. Love stories are great to tell, but so many times the female characters, that's their main motivation. And I love love. I love my partner. I love, you know, falling in love and all of that. But me as myself, I'm motivated by many other things. And so many times we only see that one dimension in our female characters. So I've appreciated that these, Marvel shows have sort of moved away from that and said, "No, we're going to give our female characters their own motivations, and sure, people will fall in love, but that's not why we're doing this okay uh,
2: and And just one final question that you know, we, we love to ask when you have time, what is it that you're binging or what you definitely can't miss
1: on television
0: <laughs> on oh, television Oh, on television. I'll tell you what, I I mean, I'm I'm actually, this month, I'm literally this month doing a no TV month, so I have not been watching any television (laughs) at the moment. Um, Oh, I'll say this. My favorite television show of all time is Mystery Science Theater. Um, Okay. So I am one of probably the few people in the world that has the complete collection, like including the KTMA days and some of the lost episodes and things like that. So I pretty much every week watch an episode of that, um, if not two. uh, <laughs> so even though I'm, even on my no TV months that I'm doing right now, I am still watching mystery science theaters once or twice a week.
1: <laughs> that is a great
2: answer. <laughs> All right. Now, did you get a chance to see the OA because, you know, given you know, your problem solving love and things like that, uh, <laughs> not, not to give anything away about the OA? No,
0: but... I, I haven't seen it. No. Now that I know that it's a problem-solving show,
2: I'll have to check it out. Especially season two. Yes. Okay. Oh
0: well, we'll have to give it a. I have to give it a go.
1: Well, Deborah, thank you so much for talking to us about Escape Room. I hope all of our listeners are looking forward to the DVD release on April twenty third, and check out Relics and Rarities as well. If you're looking for some really fun uh, interaction with some of the actors from Deborah and Wall's past in both True Blood and Daredevil, so thank you very much, Deborah.
0: Thank you so much for having me. This was
1: fun. All right. That was very insightful. I'm sorry that she wasn't able to share with us some of her favorite TV shows. That's one of those questions, Dave, that we ask sometimes in our interviews when we're trying to just sort of get a little bit more personal with some of the subjects of our interview. And sometimes it becomes difficult if they don't watch a whole lot of TV.
2: (laughs) Yeah, I was a little surprised. But then it is that time of the year. So who knows?
1: (laughs) Yeah. And she'll be off for a month with no TV soon enough. Yes. But I did like how she came up with that answer and clearly our enthusiasm for relics and rarities was not misplaced. I think it was very evident that her enthusiasm is equally great when talking about it in an interview. So I'm hoping that folks check that out. If you haven't already on YouTube, it's definitely worth watching, even though some of them go on for, you know, an hour, two hours, (laughs) you know, can even sometimes be broken up into multiple parts, but uh, she's a great dungeon master.
2: Oh, yeah. All right, Mike. So what do we have up next?
1: Well, next we have a discussion, a show topic discussion of a comedy genre TV show, which we don't do too many of, but we did talk about uh, some of our favorite resurrected characters last week and shared a couple comedies in there. So it does happen. And this time it's going to be with a show on, on FX called What We Do in the Shadows, which is a vampire show that's based on a movie, which I saw. I think my stepdaughter introduced it to me and the movie was just great. A big hit in my family. And of course, when I heard that it was being made into a TV show, I immediately thought of it as a topic for this podcast. And if you haven't checked it out, vampire comedy might not necessarily turn you on right away, but I urge you to check it out. It's, it's, you know, short format. It's not an hour long per episode. Very funny. And Dave, were you surprised by the enjoyment of that particular series?
2: Yeah, I absolutely. I was, and I love this show.
1: Yeah, and it's now almost halfway through its run But, you know, you definitely can catch up in time for the podcast next week But that's going to be it for this episode of Sci-Fi Fidelity Keep the discussion going on social media You can follow Den of Geek on Twitter and Facebook at Den of Geek US And we are at Sci-Fi Fidelity
2: And in the meantime, we'd love it if you could rate and review the podcast wherever you access it. And be sure to send us your suggestions for future topics on social media or in an email to sci-fi fidelity at gmail.com.
1: Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you next week.